0: You know, I'm gonna give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. (laughs) Stop laughing! (laughs) And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too.
1: Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You
2: fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening everybody welcome to another episode of why you laughing a history of comedy podcast and today I am pleased to introduce to you Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip historic comedy special Uh, maybe the one of the most iconic ever I really think if you picture definitely if you picture Richard Pryor you picture him in that red suit and uh, honestly I think if you picture comedy specials, there might be two or three others but Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip is probably the first that comes to mind. Um, I know a lot of diehard Richard Pryor fans have said It's not even his best work necessarily Or their favorite work Um, So leave leave it in the comments folks Let me know in the comments What's your favorite Richard Pryor album? What's your favorite Richard Pryor movie? Um, Because this is It seems to be the go-to reference at least For the, um, you know, Richard Pryor's masterpiece But I know a lot of people have differing opinions on that So let me know in the comments what you guys think And speaking of the comments and helping the show, uh, if you'd be so, so kind as to subscribe to Blind Mike Project on YouTube, uh, join the Patreon for bonus episodes every single month. We've been doing um, radio segments on there. So we did. uh, We started out with an Opie and Anthony, a more obscure Opie and Anthony segment, um, but the one we're recording tomorrow, uh, if you're watching this on Patreon. Um, and should be up this weekend, is the origin of Baba Booey. Where does the name Baba Booey come from? You'll find out um, on Patreon. So we've been doing segments like that as bonus YU laughings, as well as a bunch of others. We've covered uh, Tucker Max, the Pelican Brief, uh, Donald Glover's Weirdo, all sorts of stuff back there. So uh, if you want to check out the Patreon um, or just subscribe, uh, wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, like I said, all those links are at blindmike.net. So if you can go to blindmike.net, you can also find the Blind Mike Project there, as well as who are these socials links. Um, so how about, the, uh, how about the podcast? We got merch as well. So go to blindmike.net. That's where you're, uh, you can support the boys if you'd be so kind. But today, we're breaking down a special, as we do every so often. Um, the more recent ones have been uh, Delirious by Eddie Murphy, Killing Him Softly from uh, Dave Chappelle, Brian Regan's I Walked on the Moon. But this would be the one, like, I think if you were almost coming up with a, a stereotype of a comedy special, I really do feel like, am I overstating that, do you think, Craig? Like, no, this feels no. like the one I think of if you think of a uh, classic comedy special. for sure, and I know you
1: listen to a lot of podcasts with comics on it, Almost every single one refers to this one at some point as being an inspiration to them.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, Pryor and Carlin are the go to references for the top two comics ever. But I would say even Carlin doesn't have a special like this where you just picture it in your, your mind. You picture that red, red suit. And what's also interesting about it is this is after um, Richard Pryor set himself on fire. If you weren't aware, Uh, the the man had a bit of a drug habit. He was uh, a bit whacked out at times and ultimately set himself on fire, burned himself. And so, you know what it actually reminded me of in a way? Because this was released in theaters. It was the biggest theatrical release of any comedy special ever, filmed at the Palladium in Hollywood. Um, Which, you know, Live on the Sunset Strip is also a great name Mm -hmm. because it feels... Hollywood, but not too Hollywood. It feels like relaxed Hollywood. So it gives it kind of a cool... It it was the perfect feel for Richard Pryor, I think. Um, But what it made me think of is, obviously not nearly as good a special, but uh, when Chris Rock did his live special on Netflix this year, it was a similar... What I imagined was a similar vibe at that time in the sense that you have this special, you have this amazing comic, and you're kind of sitting through his material, but there are a lot of people that are probably thinking when's he going to talk about the Will Smith slap? You know, right, right. when's he, when's he going to get to the thing we're all thinking about? Obviously, the Will Smith was more of a um, a moment that we all watched. You know, no, fortunately, none of us have footage of Richard Pryor setting himself on fire. Right. But there, was, there I'm sure, was an element at the time where people are sitting in the theater like, is he going to address that? <laughs> and sure enough, he did, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, that's that's also a big thing to overcome in a comedy special, too when there's something in the back of people's minds, I think that's something Chris Rock was fighting against where people are like, is he going to talk about that? That's any distraction from um, what you're talking about in the moment. I think hinders the special and for prior to be able to overcome that, I think was a big hurdle.
1: I actually have a question on the, uh, the Chris Rock aspect and I guess this prior one as well. Do you think it would have been smart to open with that? Get it out of the way.
2: Interesting. Get it out of the way. Yeah. You know, that's, not a, that's actually not a terrible idea. Now, what I would say about Chris Rock is the strongest stuff in the special by far was the Will Smith chunk.
1: Right, but I think he was nervous about getting to that chunk.
2: I, he definitely was. So I think Chris Rock is a different... You might have a better point with Chris Rock. With Richard Pryor, I actually... You know, I, I mentioned that similarity to Chris Rock. But if you go back and watch the special... It was on Netflix for a while. I'm not sure if it still is. Um, but if you go back and watch the special, what it truly reminded me more of was we've broken down both of Eddie Murphy's specials, And you can tell Eddie has a similar style and probably took was influenced by Pryor in that way in building his special, where it seems kind of rapid fire at the beginning and he hits you with a lot of jokes and then he kind of settles in and starts you know, bringing you through stories mm-hmm. And um, So I think Pryor set it up well Whereas Chris Rocks was sort of a mess Because it was A lot of the stuff at the top was Unoriginal and stuff that's been covered to death Over the last decade right? So it's tough to compare the two But that's, I think it's a much better point for Chris Rocks special yeah. uh, Pryor's no Because I think it did nicely build To uh, where we'll end up here
1: Yeah but, it was also more scandalous I think <laughs>
2: For sure, yeah. While this was a big deal at the time, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, the, the Will Smith slap was like the Super Bowl. Everybody watched it. Right. Or that wasn't the kid. This was just an interesting story and kind of a sad story. But, right. All right. Where are we starting? Live on the Sunset Strip. Starting with fucking. <laughs> very, very good. This is, I mean, again, we're talking influence. Go back and watch the Red Fox episode. Tell me if there's no influence here. I mean, it sounds like Red Fox speaking, for God's sake. Right. <laughs>
0: I was going to talk about something that's very serious and I hope no one gets offended. I want to talk about fucking. (laughs) And sometimes I talk about it and a lot of people in the audience don't know what I mean. So would you raise your hand if you don't know what fucking is (laughs) so we can watch your ass when you leave here. (laughs) (laughs) There's not enough fucking going on in America. Americans, Reagan get in, you stop fucking. We fuck when Carter was in, we fucked all the time. Just had, it. was nothing else to do. Hey, let's fuck. President making a speech, let's fuck. Reagan in now, everybody listen to this motherfucker. We can't fuck now. <laughs> I say, get them last few fucks in now.
2: Yeah, that was I. Literally, we played a bit from Red Fox where he's like, uh, you know, you can call it intercourse, but if you're doing it right, you fucking. And it's very, it's very similar to that bit. So we talked a lot about with Red, where the trajectory was clearly Red Fox to Richard Pryor to Eddie Murphy, and I think you hear it a lot in that bit. That was a very Red Fox uh, inspired bit, and also Ballsy. That's literally that's the open Like I, he, he fired off one quick joke right before that but that's basically the opener to this thing that's premiering in theaters around right. the country so I think Pryor kind of wanted to set the um, you know set the tempo correctly to be like this is what you guys are getting so if you're going to leave the theater get up and get out now because this is what it is
1: I also found watching this the way he shoot, shoots the audience is in a way I've never actually seen before in a stand-up special or since How so they, like, are on, like, handheld cameras getting up in their faces, and they're almost like they're miked. It's very, very strange.
2: Oh, interesting. You know, I just saw a post on Reddit, like, one of the stand-up Reddits, mm-hmm. where they're, like, uh, they, I, they actually asked, what's the special with the best... Reaction shots. And I don't have an answer for that. I'm blind. I have, I've never appreciated it, but that is interesting. I've never, it's something I've never considered, but obviously Richard took it into account. It seems like
1: it's definitely the most uh, focused on I've seen. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, right. ne- next, he goes from fucking to being all by himself, masturbating.
2: <laughs> and don't forget, this is a, these are edgier time for this to be talked yeah. about on a special like this and in theater, it's such a mainstream event that was a lot different and you kind of forget Red Fox obviously did it before prior and you know um Lenny Bruce and Red Fox and these guys set the table for this but this still was an edgy thing to be talking about fucking and jerking off right at the start of your special right. in the 80s
0: <laughs> I discovered masturbating by accident I'm not lying I was about 10 I was in a tub in and that's when you used to have to hold your dick with two fingers. <laughs> you remember when you was little, I like you you Right, I was in the tub, and I said, hey, <laughs> I'm on to something here. I bet Dad don't know about this. <laughs> And then when you was young, remember men, right? We didn't come or nothing. You just made that funny feeling. You know, yeah, who are you? First time I came, ejaculated, scared the fuck out of me, man. I thought something was wrong. right? I was with this woman and said, look at the fuck you done there. About an hour later, though, I was back to my, can you do it again? <laughs>
1: Uh, that was just a perfect example of the audience shot right there at the end, actually.
2: And, you know, I, I still have the Chris Rock thing in mind. and I think where Pryor was smarter with this is he made the beginning of his special a lot more personal in the sense that like I think Chris Rock tackled, like I said, a lot of topics that have been. Disgust ad Mm nauseum Whereas this is I mean maybe The idea of jerking off was covered a lot But he made it like a Personal feel immediately You're now relating to Richard Rather than trying to uh, You know grasp onto some Social issue or something Mm. Uh, Next we
1: have him talking about uh, Playboy Bunny
0: Uh, Okay let's hear it I got some Playboy Bunny pussy I thought I was In the big time Going home with a Playboy bunny. You dig? We was gonna have a nice little midnight snack. I went to her apartment, it was one of the, apartment was bad. It was one of them apartments said, if I don't get the pussy, I can fuck this couch. <laughs> <laughs> and she we started talking, she had seen my act, she said, Oh, I really like the way you do those little kids in your act. Them's great. Can you talk like a little kid? He <laughs> said, What, now? What? <laughs> yeah, just do a little. Just, I feel fun out I of me. Mean, okay, just, like, you mean like when I do this, like that? She said, Yeah. <laughs> I said, You like that, huh? And she started taking off clothes, and the more clothes she took off, the younger I got. When she got to her panties, I was on the floor talking. My moon, my moon. She gave birth to me about nine thirty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's such a funny tag. I know. <laughs> she gave birth to me, <laughs> but. I th- that's what the greats that stayed great, uh, you know, past the point of getting famous. I think that's what they're best at is talking about their lives now being famous. A thing, you know, us at home can't relate to at all. The idea of me fucking a uh, Playboy model. And her wanting to do my act is something I certainly can't relate to. <laughs> Yet he does it in a way where you absolutely get what he's talking about. Right. You know, you get basically what he's saying is she's putting me in an awkward position. But because she's gorgeous, I'm just going to do it. You know,
1: I, that clip there, too. I just realized how much his cadence is just like Cosby.
2: <laughs> there, well, here's the interesting thing. I think we'll get a little more into it later. But I think there's definitely frustration with Richard um, because I think it's not dissimilar from how we were talking about um, family guy and South park where I think a lot of people would compare Richard and Cosby. And I think prior looked at it and said like, what I'm doing is so much Different than him oh yeah for sure the mid- you know, What's coming out of it. His... similarities but I, yeah. th- I Think people what's interesting About it is people would actually compare them The opposite way where I think there were A lot of people that liked what Cosby was doing And didn't like Richard's twist On it mm-hmm. um, but it's Funny you say that too because I guess at the Beginning of his career I actually I Should go back and try see if I can find any of this But they say that the lore Is that Richard was essentially doing Cosby When he started Like he would dress like him He would talk like him And he shook a lot of that off But as you noticed There's still some of that on there
1: I mean what's coming out of his face Is completely different The way it's coming out Sounds like if Cosby were dirty It would sound just like that (laughs) Yeah yeah Uh, Next uh, real moment
2: Okay let's hear about
0: this kind of some water there was supposed to be a stool and some water or something. Is April Fool? Oh, this is the one. Well, I had to walk way the fuck over there to get some water. Thank you, brother. Don't trip. You're never seen me. Shit. Thank you. I wish I'd had a picture of that shit. Thank you. Mm. Huh? Water. As far as I know. I hope I don't start trip. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: that to me reminded me of the Patrice confidence that we talk about, where like he he's not he's not nervous. It's the opposite of Chris Rock at the live special. He doesn't really seem to give a fuck. I'm sure he does inside, of course, but he's just hanging back and he's like, Hey, where you know, where's my water? And he's yeah. fucking around with the crowd and that seems so confident to me like this is a massive thing this is going to be shown in theaters mm-hmm. and he's just like hey where's, where's my water
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think the i think the live aspect of rock also impacted him cuz other sure. if that wasn't there it would have been another day at the office i think for him
2: De- yeah definitely definitely but still i think there is an element of like I think there are a lot of guys that would be like, this is my special. I can't be fucking around with the water and the stool on the stage and all that. (laughs) Right. Right. I have to be laser focused. Whereas Richard, and I think that perfectly goes to his personality where it's, he's just playing it much cooler.
1: For sure. he's The coolest. (laughs)
2: Um, Next is making money. Okay. This is kind of what I was talking about before. I think where um, (laughs) a lot of guys struggle with this. I think once they get famous, they don't know how to relate to their audience. And this is definitely stereotyping or generalizing. I think for the most part, like black comedians do a, do a better job at relating to their audience because they don't seem to give a They'll talk about having money in a way that we can relate to rather than pretending they don't have it. And I think that's what Richard does very well here.
0: No, but I do a lot of shit now that I never did when I didn't have money. I didn't have the problems that I have now, like watching motherfuckers count it. <laughs> I must drive my accountant crazy because I wake up at three in the morning and go, Hey man, what the fuck? How much is it? Well, prove it, bring it over. <laughs> but it's three in the morning. Fuck that, I want to see it now. <laughs> But that's that's
2: that's so perfect, because that's not this unrelatable thing. That's what we all know would happen if we made Richard Pryor-level money. Right. You know, so he, again, is able to, pre- like, I, I don't think he ever really lost touch with his audience. And it's something that frustrates me with Chappelle when he wears the C on his coat, and he calls himself the GOAT. And I saw recently, like, the promo code, um, for one of his tour dates, was legend, oh. and it's stuff like that where it's like, dude, you're the greatest ever. Stop reminding us. We let us say that. We we know it, and we're the ones to talk about it. That's disgusting. <laughs> it was a rough one to see. Oh. <laughs> but, no. but but Pryor strikes me as a guy, and I don't, you know, on a, on a personal level, I don't know if he ever changed, but it seems like he always remained in touch with his audience, at least up till this point.
1: Yeah. Um, next, we got him talking about fighting with his wife.
2: Okay. Wife. See, I th- and th- this seemed to be a thing um, because he talks about uh, kind of getting sober through all this. It seems like getting married kind of uh,
0: helped him. How can women be so cool when you're angry? Don't you tell me, I, do, I love you. Don't you see? Yes, sir, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> a walk? I want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> One night, I left the house about 137 times. I did, I just said, fuck you! And then I'd have to come back, like, you forget your keys, you ever leave and forget your keys? Bitch, yeah! Motherfucker! Yeah! uh Uh-huh! Bleed that (laughs) shit! Yeah! You'll see. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you got
2: to go back in the house. <laughs> that, that's that been redone in a lot of different ways Oh yeah Where like the idea But like Richard's able to make it very funny And I think he was kind of one of the first to Observe that type of shit where it's like There's nothing more frustrating Than like having to come back in sheepishly Right <laughs> sorry, I forgot my keys I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm out of here <laughs> I mean
1: it this time <laughs> Uh Next, we talk about uh, prison.
2: Okay, and this is what I'm talking about, where Richard is, does a f- tremendous job of melding, like, bigger issues and just, you know, mundane stuff, like fighting with your wife and, you know, the, the idea of the prison system, <laughs> like, fusing those together, as well as, you know, drug addiction and race, like, the gamut that he runs, and it, it, it reminds me a lot... I, the influence is obvious, but it reminds me of a lot, a lot of when we went through Eddie Murphy's specials, where it's like he's able to combine all of these. Like um, I just watched uh, Mark Norman's special recently, and I think he's he's on a totally different level. He's not a similar comedian to Richard Pryor at all, but I do think he's very good at throwing in jokes about just relationship and his marriage or dating, sex, whatever. But then also talking about. You trans people and racial issues and uh, thing, big things like that. And uh, that's what Pryor does a lot throughout this special and kind of seamless, seamlessly goes in and out of them.
0: I went to penitentiary. Gene Wilder, I did a movie. I went to, not me personally. I mean, I went to do a film in penitentiary. Um, <laughs> and it was I was up there six weeks, Arizona State Penitentiary. It was something. Oh, you're applauding for that? <laughs> Arizona State Penitentiary, real popular. (laughs) Oh man, it was strange, because it's like 80% black people. And what's strange about that is that there are no black people in Arizona. (laughs) I'm not lying, they bust motherfuckers in. And I was up there and I, I looked at all the brothers and it made my heart ache. You know, it's all these beautiful black men in the joint, goddamn warriors should be out there helping the masses. And I, I felt that way. I was real naive. Right in six weeks, I was up there. I talked to the brothers, you know, and I talked to them. And thank God we got penitentiaries. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, why did you kill everybody in the house <laughs> he gets it they was home
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think and maybe it's the time we live in now maybe I would have a different take if I was watching this in 1982 but I think it's such a funny angle to take like, because now we talk about how, uh, you know, it's completely disproportionate. We talk about all these statistics with uh, race and prisons and things like that. So I think it's such a funny comedian for it's such a funny stance for a black comedian to take like, yeah, these, some of these motherfuckers belong in prison. They were scary. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> they were frightening. But uh, he further talks here about prison violence.
0: Okay. I thought black people killed people by accident. <laughs> no, these motherfuckers was murderers. <laughs> I met one brother. His name was jaybo Motherfucker lift weights. He was in charge of it. Jabo muscles every motherfucker. where's my man, Muscling. He was doing a sentence triple life. How in the fuck do you do triple life? I mean, I mean, if he die and come back, he got to go to penitentiary. Right? <laughs> they say, fuck kindergarten, get your little ass back in the penitentiary, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what you did last time you were here. Gene Wyder loved to jump in the middle of the killers and start talking, hi guys, how you doing? I said, Gene, bring your ass out. What do you think they do to us if we were here, Rich? You say, fuck us. <laughs> <laughs> And geez, I'm not homosexual. Homosexual ain't got nothing to do with it. They don't fuck you because you like it. They just fuck you just to see that look on your face.
2: I love the idea that Gene Wilder thought he'd be taken out on a date. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's not my cup of tea. <laughs> They'll understand that, of course. <laughs> Take it easy, Willy Wonka. <laughs> that I think that's such a unique perspective because like all day we could talk about the prison system whatever and Richard's like oh no I went in and talked to some of these people and this was my experience (laughs) (laughs) I I I think it's such a great bit and it's also uh, the one thing that I found in there is like sometimes the best punch on this is where I think clean comedians get it wrong sometimes Mm -hmm. because I think overall and I've said this before just this isn't a commentary on how funny it is or what style of comedy you should do or anything. But if you're just talking about clean comedy versus dirty comedy, I do believe clean comedy is more difficult because you're putting restrictions on it. Correct. You're putting any, any sort of boundaries you put on it does make it inherently more difficult. Yeah. But I think what clean comedians lose sight of sometimes is um, it doesn't always meet like um, I've heard, uh, I'm trying to think for maybe say that, uh like, f- having to find a punchline that isn't dirty often makes it funnier. But there are also times where simply saying when Gene Wilder says, what's the worst they, they could do to us? And Richard just says, fuck us. <laughs> that, that's sometimes the funniest option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I know, like, uh, Brigazzi, he talks like that anyway, so it's not so much of a... That's the
2: main thing, and he says that all the time, because the main thing is...
1: I was going to say, I know, like, Regan and Gaffigan kind of are more blue off-screen, you know?
2: Regan, for sure, from what I hear, yeah. Yeah. But Nate, uh, yeah, Nate says the main thing is you want to talk how you really talk, so Bregazzi, to his credit, is not a guy that looks at, you know, Jim Jeffries and is like, you should be a clean comedian. (laughs) That's (laughs) what you should think about doing, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, next we got uh, Him talking about growing up
2: Okay This is what I'm saying He weaves in and out of these Kind of bigger topics To more, more basic stuff
0: I used to be a thief And I wasn't very good I always got caught And I would steal from neighbors I wouldn't take no chances On getting caught too far from home <laughs> I'd go to the neighbor's house Wipe them motherfuckers out I paid them all back. Now, I try to go back to here. I'm ashamed of myself. Go, Miss Johnson, I'm sorry I bust in your house. <laughs> I knew it was you, boy. <laughs> I don't know why I would steal. I remember my grandfather was in business. My family was in business. My, my, my grandmother and them owned like three or four brothels and my, my grandfather had a pool hall, right? <laughs> called Pop's Pool Room. My uncle had a pool room, so it was money in the family. I was a lucky black child, right? Because I never went through no hard times about shit. It was hard. If you wasn't poor, you couldn't get no pussy. Say, we fucked just to keep our minds off eating.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting, too, because I have always heard, I'll have to look more into this whenever we do a full Richard Pryor, like the life of Richard Pryor episode. Yeah. But, um, I, I've always heard that he was raised in a brothel or something like, I, I knew, I knew the tie to the brothel. It was interesting to hear him say like, we did pretty well. My grandmother owned four of those fuckers. (laughs) Like (laughs) that. I had never heard that angle on. And it's again, interesting for a guy like that to kind of spin it. Like, yeah, we, we live pretty well. And, um, you know, I think, his perspective as a black kid growing up in the eighties, there is a different level of like, if you're middle-class, like it's doing pretty good <laughs> based right. on, you know, who, who you grew up with maybe. So right. I thought that was pretty interesting as well.
1: Yeah. That, wasn't his mom like a prostitute or something?
2: That's what, that's what I thought. That's why I was a little confused by that. So I'll have to look more into it when we do the full history of Richard Pryor. This was, I wanted to do uh, this because I figured we haven't done um, uh, a special in a little bit, but, I do at some point want to do the full Richard Pryor. We'll do a Carlin episode. I, I'm kind of waiting for like milestone type of episodes for those guys. I don't know why. Just mentally, that's what I decided to do. But at a certain point, I realized we're almost 100 episodes in, and we haven't discussed Pryor or Carlin, so we had to do this one.
1: <laughs> we we had to save those for like a what the fuck do we do next? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Rainy day. Yeah. yeah. Um. Here we have. Uh, I'm talking about racism.
0: Okay. Racism is a bitch. I mean, white people, you got to know. It fucks you up, but what it does to black people is a bitch. Because no matter what it is, it's hard enough being a human being. It's really fucking hard enough just to be that. Right? Just to go through everyday life without murdering a motherfucker. is hard enough just to walk through life decent as a person. But here's another element added to it when you're black, your mother's got that little edge on it. us. <laughs> is enough to make you crazy. Is <laughs> if you're in an argument with another man, he it may be white, but it's man on man for a minute and the shit get rough, he end up calling you, nigga, you gotta go, oh, shit, <laughs> fuck. Now nah, I ain't no man no more, I'm nigga. now nah, I got to argue with that shit. Fuck, throw my balance all off now. Nah. No, but it's an ugly thing. I hope someday they give it up because it won't
2: That is such an interesting perspective because yeah. you also have to remember, like try and put yourself in a place where this is like 15 years after segregation <laughs> right. where legitimately black people weren't allowed in the same rooms as white people. <laughs> so to tackle it from an angle of not anger, but like, Hey, it's hard enough to be a human being, have some compassion for me. Also after having to deal with being black. I think that's such an interesting angle, and a smart way to appeal to an audience that is this probably still have plenty of racists in it, you know. Right. Uh, especially by twenty twenty three standards, there are definitely a lot of people that are like, you know, I don't like black people, but that Richard Pro. Oh, that's th- that's a lot of the people he's talking to. So I think the tackle in that way is smart and also insightful. I think.
1: Yeah, it's very unique. Um- yeah, for sure. Next we have him talking about Africa.
2: Uh, I mean, this is even more insight because he went to Africa. Um, Unlike Chappelle, I don't think there were any rumors of him losing his mind and going there. I think he just went, which is probably nice for him, (laughs) Uh, but this was his experience.
0: Man, you go, I went to the mother. I was going to find my roots, right? 700 million black people. Not one of them motherfuckers knew me. (laughs) I looked in every phone book in Africa. I didn't find one goddamn prize. I saw one familiar name, Jabo Walker. I called that up. They say he's in Arizona. Could <laughs> <laughs> <Good> call that. <back. laughs> but it's nothing like going and seeing nothing but black, black people. I mean, from the wino to the president it's black people and it's like fair you know what i mean you go someplace on liberated land i said these motherfuckers kicked ass and got their country and i'm on the land it's black people i mean black original black you understand black i mean so many black people made me realize somebody in my family been lying to me And it's nice as you land at the airport, you look out the window, see the black people say, wow, people are the same. The people in Africa buck over your luggage just like the people in New York
2: again, <laughs> <laughs> it obviously it makes it funny at the end, but again, I think that's such a unique fucking perspective to be to talk in a way where it's like I went from the minority in this country to the vast majority in another and talk about that perspective. I think that's such a unique angle. Like there are a lot of different ways you could go on visiting Africa. And I think he has such a unique twist on it. Like I, even now, 40 years later, I had never thought of that, what it would be like for an American black person to visit Africa where you're now in the majority, like people look like you and that's, very normal, whereas you're used to living in uh, most likely a community of all white people. That's such a unique thing that even now I don't even think of,
1: like I said, 40 years later. right? And also comics. Do you see what he did? He did a callback in like the first quarter of the uh, special. Do not close with them because they're not that funny.
2: (laughs) That's right. I've seen a few, even I've seen uh, guys I like, like Sam Murill ended on a callback of I think one of his best specials. Um, But it's like, ah, that's not It's not that strong, you know, that like we, I think, especially now, the thing about callbacks is like the magic trick is lost a little bit because comedy fans have consumed so much comedy that I think, you know, when that callback with Richard Pryor for some people would be like, well, how the fuck did he do that?
1: (laughs) I forgot about Arizona. (laughs) Well, even them, they, this is like one of the funniest guys that's ever done this. And everyone was like, ha ha.
2: Yeah, he just threw it in the middle. Yeah,
1: he, he gets it. Uh, next, we have him t- talking about the N-word.
0: Okay. One thing I got out of it was magic i like to share with you. You know, it's like I was leaving and I was sitting in the hotel and a voice said to me, said, look around, what do you see? And I said, I see all colors of people doing everything, you know. And the voice said, do you see any niggas? I said, no. I said, you know why? Because there aren't any. And it hit me like a shot, man. I started crying and shit. I was sitting there. I said, yeah, I've been here three weeks. I haven't even said it. I haven't even thought it. And it made me say, oh, my God, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. I got to regroup my shit. I mean, I said, I ain't going to never call another black man a nigger. cause we never was no niggas that's a word that's used to describe our own wretchedness and we perpetuate it now cause it's dead that word's dead we men and women we come from we come from the first people on the earth <laughs> you No. Know, the first people on the earth were black people cause anthropologists white anthropologists <laughs> so the white people go that could be true you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> that I think is uh such an interesting moment. Cause it's pretty much the one like serious part of the special where he's not, you know, there's not a lot of jokes peppered in. He's just making a, a real point. And it's interesting because it's almost the reverse of the Chris rock black people versus Zen words bit where he's saying, Oh no, I'm not going to call anyone that. And that's what Chris rock ultimately got a lot of shit for Um, And why he stopped doing the bit because he realized that racists were just like quoting his bit and saying like, Oh, well Chris Rock said this exact said it's okay to call these people that Mm -hmm. whereas Richard Pryor, you know, 15 years earlier is observing like, Oh no, no, that's a fucked up thing to call anyone. And it was interesting. Again, he's got such an interesting perspective that led to a lot of the takes on this stuff that came after. Um, and to almost a point where you don't even notice, unless you're ex- doing something like this, where you have to like dive in and you know figure out who it influenced. And then you kind of realize, like, oh, these things that Pryor was saying, like Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy and all these people were listening to when they were younger and took a lot of this from him. Not because not not in a way of like stealing, but like we're influenced by it.
1: I can see why uh, people would give Chris Rock shit. Because he's having a beautiful moment realizing, hey, here, they don't even basically know that word exists. I know they probably do, but they don't say it.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's not something that's thrown at you when you act a certain way or when you do something. It just, it's, it's non-existent and he wasn't even using it to that point. So it is, it's a uh, really insightful kind of thing he stumbled on. Mm.
1: Um, Next we got uh, him talking about the mafia.
2: Uh again, a similarity to Eddie Murphy's specials, where Pryor was very early. Now we can we can goof on the dagos day and night, these greasy whops. Yep. It's it's all it's all well and good. In the 80s, I don't know how much before, you know, this is long before the Sopranos and Jersey Shore and even like Goodfellas, where uh they almost became caricatures of Italians. Pryor and Eddie Murphy observed that. Uh, pretty early on. And this is him talking about uh, he, he had to
0: deal with the mafia at, at one point. When he was uh, and these motherfuckers start telling murder stories. <laughs> hey, you remember when Goozi he? Hey, remember when I made my fucking bones? Ah. <laughs> Me, I had to go away. It was Cleveland, right? Fucking Teamster. Big mouth hurt a lot of people, right? You know, ice pick's my thing, Rich. So we fucking had to dry down. Me, Johnny Salami. <laughs> The Cabuzo brothers, <laughs> they own the funeral parlor. You carry, we bury. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Come here, you fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> so we take this jerk off our bowling, you know, drive him around, get him a few drinks. Say, hey, let's get some broads, right? Little motel we had set up. Remember the Johnny? So we take him around, he gets kind of stoned, drops his glass. I say, now. Nah. I pop him with the fucking ice pick, right? I'm popping this cocksucker blood, squirting every one she way I'm stabbing, oh God, don't kill me. Oh fuck you, you guinea cocksucker. <laughs> and the fucking ice pick breaks. Ah! <laughs> I'm standing there with a fucking piece of wood in my hand. Ah! 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 I said, Johnny Salami, what do I do? Ah! 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 Johnny says, wait till it melts, asshole. Ah! Those were the good old days. Uh, What's the matter, Rich? You don't look so good. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Spilo, give me a little Sinini for all. You got a way home? You want us to give you a ride? Ah!
2: (laughs) (laughs) That, like I said, it reminded me of Eddie Murphy. It also reminded me a lot of some of the stuff that Bird does where he's having conversations with someone that isn't there. Yeah. And I'm my favorite ever. And that, like, you don't look so good, Rich. That, Reminded me of maybe my favorite delivery of any joke of all time because it's very subtle. Uh, when Burr is talking about the guy that owns the helicopter, he would take people out on helicopter rides, yeah. Great and, bit, and, great uh, bit. And the, guy, the guy kills himself, and there's a delivery where this tour guide's you know, he's got the guy in the passenger seat. He's uh, giving the tour. He's talking about it, at Los Angeles. And he's like, if, if you look over to the left here, put your seatbelt back on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what that reminds. I, I and Burr is Burr is one who's great at that. Like. Yeah. You know, having a catch with his uh, fictional son <laughs> and stuff like that. And that's what that bit reminded me a lot of is uh I, I just don't want to name black guys the prior influenced, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. There's a little burn there too.
1: <laughs> Put your seatbelt back on. <laughs> uh yeah, even in that same bit when he's pretending when he's bobbing in the ocean. It's just all <laughs> it's all very funny. Um next we have uh, mud bone
2: Uh this is so this is a prior character that was uh, super popular. And uh, people would call out for it and everything. And when they did, Pryor, uh, brilliantly, is able to transition into um, what, what some people were here for, the real story. So this is a little bit of uh, mud bone for the last time, he
0: says. What Do what? All right. This is the this is the last time Mudbone will be seen, anyway. Right. This, this is Mudbone's last show. All right, this is Mudbone. And ladies and gentlemen, from Tupelo, Mississippi, Mudbone. You know, now, I know that boy. <laughs> See, he fucked up. See, that fire got on his ass. Mm-hmm. And it fucked him up upstairs. <laughs> Fired up what little brains he had. Cause I remember the motherfucker he could make a motherfucker laugh at a funeral on Sunday Christmas Day. But you know what happened? He got some money. That's what happened to him. He got some money. <laughs> that mixed real cramps and shit was gone. He said, fuck it. Went all the way crazy.
2: Now, Pryor goes on to do Mudbone for like 10 minutes, which I couldn't wrap my mind around how that unfolded like was he going to do mud bone anyways because you hear there people in the audience are yelling do mud bone so did he know that was going to happen was he going to do mud bone whether they yelled it or not and it just happened to be at the perfect time it's crazy to me because someone just yells hey do mud bone and he's like all right fine Oh, almost reluctantly i'm going to do this character for the last time and then turns it into Mudbone criticizing Richard Pryor for setting himself on fire. Genius. <laughs> Utterly genius.
1: Yeah. I mean, some people just know the audience, like Patrice with the Natalie Holloway thing. Knowing yeah. no one would know that name, he knew right. they were going to sh- like it's, it's like Chappelle knowing someone's going to yell Rick James at him.
2: Right. Right. But yeah, that's why I mean. it, it, it was so perfectly timed because he does Mudbone for 10 minutes and then goes right into. Talking about uh, the story of him setting himself on fire, um, so yeah, but he does uh, mudbone for the last time. He was sick of doing it, I guess, which is uh, understandable. But it is—I yeah, mean, you can tell from that. Basically, the character is just like a drunk Mississippi Mississippi pseudo philosopher of sorts. Like just kind of a neighborhood guy that pontificates. And uh, in this case, he was talking about Richard Pryor setting himself ablaze, and uh, it was pretty funny, but. And here's him talking about burning up. Yes, it segued nicely into his uh, closing topic.
0: Sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden he says about, you know, when you signify, motherfucker, get vision. Say, well, what about them burn up rings around your neck, motherfucker? <laughs> and it hit me because I had never thought of myself like that, you know, because I said, yeah, I've been burned up. <laughs> No, it never had hit me like, like it hit him, you know? I said, yeah, I've been burnt the fuck up. <laughs> Cause most people are me, I act like I ain't burnt up, they do too. <laughs> Motherfucker, sneaker peek, be dumb enough. <laughs> A nice tattoo you have <laughs> all over your body. I guess y'all say fuck all that how'd you burn
2: up <laughs> it, it it's dawning on me now listening to this that a better comparison we were talking about chris rock actually a better comparison if you're just going for uh how the special turned out would be uh louis ck sincerely his first special back after his scandal obviously a lot different type of story but you know, Louis just does his material The material we're all used to seeing The same way Pryor did for a lot of the special And then at a certain point kind of mentions something And the crowd's like Is he going to talk about it? And he's like, alright, let's get into it And that's what this was Where you're, you're kind of watching like Is he going to mention that he was doing crack And set himself on fire? And then you're like, oh, okay, here it comes
1: <laughs> As uh, him saying what happened
2: yeah, so uh, what, what's amazing to me too, listening to this is like, you know, I I always think of Artie Lang now, when you listen to Artie now, and it took a while to get there, you know, he he lasted a hell of a while longer than a lot of people thought he could, but like when you listen to Artie and anything he's done recently, the, he's he's gone. The guy that we all knew, the, the, his his soul seems to be gone, like drugs. Did enough damage to where he's not the same guy. He doesn't have that same energy that he used to have. Um, you know, Pryor struggled a lot later in his life. Like right. he had a lot, of, he, I think he was in a wheelchair when he died and all yeah. that and sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but here, like you listen to the things that Pryor went through with drugs and just physically, literally being a burned victim, <laughs> and he's still all there, hasn't lost a fucking step. And that's what I find very. Inspiring, frankly, but uh, this is him talking about what happened.
0: I know y'all done heard all kind of stories about high burner bass and this and uh, ether that, and none of that shit got nothing to do. That's not true. I'm going to tell you all the truth tonight. Okay, you got to promise not to tell nobody. Can I trust you? You some lying motherfuckers. (laughs) All right, now all my friends know this to be true because everybody knows me. Like, usually, before I go to bed, I have milk and cookies. (laughs) And one night, I had some low fat milk and some uh, pasteurized, and I mixed them together, and I dipped my cookie in, and the shit blew up.
2: how do people like applaud that (laughs) yes you filthy drug addict yeah I may have jumped the gun I have to admit that wasn't the actual story of what happened so I think he uh, gets a little more in depth here
0: a lot of people say shit I I, I think about shit I say why do people think listen to me all the people you ever heard of Freebasing have you ever heard of anybody blowing up (laughs) why me (laughs) (laughs) 10 million motherfuckers free base. I got to blow up. (laughs)
2: That's such a funny, real angle to take. Cause I imagine it's what anyone in that type of position would think. And what you say, once you've had time to, you know, get fully recover and everything, what you're supposed to say is I've learned a lot from that. And it really showed me the path I was going down and this, but Richard's just blatantly honest. And he's like, what this, so many people do this shit. <laughs> why, do I, why would I set myself on fire? What the fuck? It <laughs> had to be me. <laughs> Such an honest moment.
1: Yeah. Um, this is him uh, continuing talking about addiction.
0: Okay. And then the pipe starts saying shit like, you let me get a little low yesterday. <laughs> I don't like that. Now, don't let me get low again or I'm going to hurt you. You promise, keep me full at all times, okay? Come on, Rich, you can do it. Cause I understand. And finally, people, dope dealers, I did it so bad, dope dealers tried not to sell me nothing. Now that's doing it where dope dealers say, man, I ain't gonna give you no more of that shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> brother. I can't see you do it to yourself. Now that's dope dealers don't give a fuck about nothing, usually people think. These motherfuckers refuse to sell me cocaine. Say, no motherfucker, you killing yourself. What? <laughs> Man, I don't want to see you fuck yourself up. I ain't never heard of dope dealers doing that. I mean, you could sooner get free food in a Chinese restaurant.
2: Uh, Mulaney actually has a great story in his special Baby Jay that came out earlier this year where he tells this story about this guy. Like, you have to break up with your drug dealer when you get out of rehab. And uh, he texted this guy and basically said, like, I'm losing your number, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I forget exactly how the joke goes, but essentially the guy says to him, like, you were the only person I sold drugs. And John was like, well, how did this relationship come to be? And the guy was like, I don't know. You just kept texting me, hounding me for drugs. And I didn't want you to get like bad stuff. So I went out and bought drugs for you. <laughs> and it's this wild story. <laughs> and that that's that's what I loved about Mulaney's special, where he kind of kept it. He would tell real things about his life, but keep it very funny. And that's what I appreciated about Pryor's story here, where he's talking about this serious drug addiction that he had, obviously, that resulted in him almost dying. And yet he's able to make it into this kind of silly bit where uh, the crack pipe and Jim Brown. He gets into Jim Brown, like trying to help him get sober. And the crack pipe and Jim Brown are basically the angel and devil on each of his <laughs> <respective> shoulders. <laughs> uh,
1: next, we have him talking about being on fire.
2: Okay, yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, talk about unique experiences. I don't know how many other comics have talked about this specifically.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing, man. When that fire hits your ass. That will sober your ass up quick. I mean, I was standing there on fire and something said, why that's so pretty blue. (laughs) You know what? That looks like fire! I'm talking about fire is inspirational. (laughs) They should use it in the Olympics. Cause I did the 100 yard dash in four, three. (laughs) <laughs> and you know something I found out when you're on fire and running down the street people will get out of your way <laughs> except for one old drunk right he's going hey buddy can I get a light <laughs> oh, how about just a little off the sleeve okay <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell when you fucked up man when you get to the hospital and the doctor go oh ah!
2: Yeah, that's one that uh, no one can really pretend they had that experience. Even Carlos Mencia would know you can't change the punchline to hot tamale and take that one. It's a pretty unique <laughs> Richard Pryor experience.
1: Yeah, that's gotta be. Oh, that's gotta be the worst way to go, or the worst that's- thing
2: to have happen. Well, luckily he uh, he lived. This is not posthumous. This special, believe it or not, but (laughs) but that's I mean that's ultimately what all of this is about. Every comedy special we break down is taking moments like that from your life and turning it into funny. Like now, I think people would feel obligated to do like a a one man show on their recovery, where prior was such a funny fuck that he just turned it into his closer basically and was still able to make it a, a funny story.
1: Yeah. And uh, this one is uh, him saying he's grateful.
0: Okay. Pain sure stops racism quick. What no color in there except burn up motherfuckers. Be <laughs> telling <laughs> And we all got religious. <laughs> you, get re- you find God quick when they find your ass dead. I was watching TV one night and they said I had died. <laughs> I was bandaged up and shit. And they said, Richard Pryor died five minutes ago. But I thank God every day, Jack. I do. I say, God, thank you for not burning my dick. Because most people said if you've been punished by God I say, no, if God wanted to punish my ass He'd have burnt my dick <laughs> Now that's some punishment Because <laughs> when that fire hit my ass, my dick went to work <laughs> Emergency! <laughs> Piss, come, do something <laughs> Keep the fire off the board And my chest was hollering help. The dick said, fuck dude, do yourself. I was protecting the balls. Spit.
2: Again, another great tag where my chest was hollering help. <laughs> <laughs> to, to think of that, and also to go through that experience, and that's where you have to appreciate guys that were funny first, to go through that experience and ultimately turn it into a dick joke is truly what makes Richard Pryor a treasure in yeah, comedy.
1: Absolutely. But
2: uh... and I, and I do wonder if to mention Louis again, if he kind of took influence from things I'm not even saying specifically this special, but I, we've talked we talked about in the Louis CK episode where you know, why did Louis go about like none of the podcasts he did, he didn't talk about his Um, he never talked about the, the incident. He put out a formal apology when it first happened and he's never addressed it again on any podcast or anything. Um, actually on his own podcast that he did behind a paywall, he addressed it briefly. Um, but that's really it. And people thought why? And even I thought like, why wouldn't he talk about on Rogan or why would he address it in his special and kind of a joking way, but never really get into it. And I think he kind of views it the way Richard viewed this incident is like, I could have like a, a you know a sob story moment or make a one man show out of this or something serious, but I'm a comedian. I'm a I'm a I'm a court jester. I'm a clown. Right. I'm supposed to keep it funny, and so I wonder if if Louis kind of uh, dealt with some of that where he's like, you yeah, know, maybe I'll do it kind of the prior way where I. I don't make it into a serious issue. I keep it funny. Now, obviously, you know, drug addiction, what Louis uh, went through are two totally different things. But I think there is a similarity in the, in the, the gravity of the subject, I guess. I you mean,
1: know? honestly, Louis having a giant sign that says sorry behind him is one of the funniest things he could have done.
2: <laughs> it's brilliant. And for people not to understand why that's funny, it has been crazy to me for the last two years. But <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so funny. But uh, we're at our last clip, the closer.
2: And this is, I always try when we uh, happen upon these topics um, to include things from our intro. Um, we should uh, you, use the, uh, the Chappelle prior intro for this one just because uh, it makes the most sense, obviously, um, because this was an easy one. It is, uh, we use a prior clip in the intro that is from the closer of this special. And so, you know, prior goes to the entire story of you know being a, a burn victim and all of that and then says hey you know you people are here supporting me but uh, some of you had some shit to say also
0: it's been a pleasure for me to do this and uh, get up here and I uh, thank you very much I want to say y'all gave me a lot of love when I was not feeling well and y'all really I appreciate it also y'all did some also oh, yeah applaud yourself <laughs> Also, y'all did some nasty ass jokes on my ass too. Oh yeah, y'all didn't think I saw some of these motherfuckers. Since you love me so much, I remember this one. Just strike the match like this. Go. Say, like, what's that? Richard Pryor running down the street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was the closer. He just makes fun of himself. <laughs> that's so great because it's making fun of himself but also kind of making fun of the audience and being like hey you know if you're weird listening to me make jokes about this remember how many you fucks made jokes when i wasn't in the room you know right again funny first was prior's thing and it's why ultimately i think i would put prior over carlin as the greatest ever because i don't think carlin's ultimate goal was funny first, at least not at the end when he became more of a philosopher. Yeah. And I think that's kind of happening with Chappelle, and it's why I say Louis over Chappelle, I've I've, I've started to believe. Um, and that's, again, that's for my taste. I think there are also probably some people that say, well, Carlin and Chappelle, what they have done is more powerful to the world. And I think there's a point to be made there, too. But if you're purely talking from a comedy standpoint, <clears throat> I think Pryor's main focus was always funny, and he, he never yes. never really strayed from that.
1: Yep, him, and that's why Louis is a perfect example, because he started going down, like Louis started going down the uh, campaigning for Hillary.
2: He started putting on a suit and, and emailing suit. people about Hillary, and he was wearing glasses. But he never let it
1: jeopardize his stand-up.
2: He didn't. And, you know, you got you really got to thank those ladies for coming out because they saved him. They kept him funny, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> they didn't backstab him or
2: anything. <laughs> uh, so that, that's it. That's Richard Pryor live on the Sunset sh- Sunset Strip. Like I said, we will eventually, of course, because he lived a very interesting life, do a full Richard Pryor episode. Yes. I've seen people say, like, hey, you should do, you know, Rickles and Carlin and all Yeah, we're gonna. Don't worry. There's a lot of episodes to go of this show. So uh, we will obviously get to uh, all of the big names as well as some of the more obscure ones like uh, Dat Fan, for example. Um, So, you know, we've got a long way to go on the show. A lot of history to cover. That's right. So I hope you guys support the show. I hope you're enjoying it. Leave some comments. Like I said, um, let's start debates in the comments section on YouTube, for God's sake. Tell me, is Prior the Greatest Ever? Is it Carlin? Is it somebody else? What's Pryor's best work? Is it Live on the Sunset Strip, or is there something you like more? Oh, well, that's what I meant to. I meant to mention this earlier. I always forget stuff. But what's in- most interesting about him saying he's not using the n-word anymore is he literally has an album that I kind of I want to buy the. I have a record player and I want to buy this record. But literally, I think I might be taken off of YouTube if I hung it behind me. <laughs> there's, there's a word in there that isn't allowed anymore. So that's what was interesting about him saying he's not going to say that anymore. But <laughs> anyways, um, let me know your thoughts in the comments. Support the show as you guys have been doing. I appreciate it. Bonus episodes on Patreon or support the show for free wherever you get podcasts. Blindmike.net is the place to do that. Mm-hmm. So visit blindmike.net if you'd be so kind. Um, We do appreciate it. And if you want to support Craig and check out what he does, Uh, if you do like, you know, Richard Pryor isn't saying the N word anymore, but you know, (laughs) a place that is, that's a very good show. Go to verygoodshow.org.
1: (laughs) That is not not (laughs) accurate. That's a hoax.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, test if I'm wrong. See if I'm wrong. See if you can find evidence uh, that, that sides with me, go to verygoodshow.org as we're going to check out Craig's program, Um, check out the free show. And then if you like him, Support the boy on Patreon, for God's sake, will you?
1: Yeah, and uh, we have very good show, our Team Pryor over Carlin. Wow,
2: well, they do that to save face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a lot of these guys say, you know? <laughs> like I said, there's always someone that says, hey, that Richard Pryor is one of the good ones. <laughs> and that's a very good show.
1: So, <laughs> I can't be racist. I'm a fan of Richard Pryor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for the Thanks for all the support. Thanks for watching. Um, And feel free to suggest any topics you want covered in the future. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later on Why Are You Left? Zip it up and zip it out.